Previously, the dairy mills were right. They had the sums right. They'd spread the, the nitrogen fertilizer. But now we have to do it on a, a shoestring with chemical fertilizer. We need to make better use out of slurry. Fine. We need to um, get a lot more from clover, legumes, and the soil. And the soil is the key one that we're missing the trick on. Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the deadline looming for entry to the Grassland Farmer of the Year competition, I'm joined this week by two of the judging panel, John Marr and John O'Loughlin, to tell us what the competition has meant to farmers in years gone by and why you should enter. And I first asked John O'Loughlin about the challenging grassland year to date. Yeah, in general, it's been very, very challenging year for grass. Um... You know, the, we went from a drought into just consistent rain, Emma Louise, and it it has been a challenge. Uh, overall tonnage probably isn't too bad because we've, you know, in the main dairy belts, there's been a lot of droughts that have affected growth rates. But a lot of farms, even when we got the rain, seemed to struggle a little bit just to get up and running to maybe what we would expect with the soil moisture deficit return. So in my mind, it's been very challenging you know, first cuts were back in, in quantities. Uh, we have data there. We measured, uh, as part of our sustainability program, 8 tonne dry matter per hectare on average for a first cut last year, back to 6.2. Uh, and on top of that, there was a lot of silage probably fed, you know, during that drought and even when it was wet. So probably a challenge, I would say. And to, to you, John, and maybe a comment on those winter reserves. Second cut has been taken out at the end of August, early September, and a lot of farms. So a comment on that, maybe. Yeah, look, John's right. It's been a very unusual year, right, for grass. Probably the most unusual, you know, we've come across in a long, long time. You must remember we had record dry February, record wet March, almost record warm June, almost record wet July, if I'm correct in all those stats. So it's been a roller coaster ride. John is right on the on the on the comments he's made about recovery. Grass quality was a nightmare in June and July. The only thing is that happened lately in the last I know the rain came but and second cut got delayed, but and you'd see the trailers pass on the road as you drive the car around the country and the stuff looks brown rather than green. But but there has been a good recovery of late. Grass growth is well on target if, if above it we are in a great place at the moment so people have managed to get second cut done that ground is going to come back in the pasture based data f- figures show clearly at the moment that we're on target for, for our autumn grazing targets so while it has been an unusual year a difficult year a challenging year at this point in time of the first september we're not in the worst place now in terms of both fodder supply and grass supply not in the worst now and there, there will be variation in the country some of the extreme dry areas will be probably a bit short. Some of the extreme wet areas will have other issues about, you know, trying to grow grass in the wet. But not the worst place now, given where we were at one point in time. And I suppose to continue with you, John, um, I suppose the main reason I'm chatting with you today is to hear a little bit about the Grass 10 competition that has come up and the applications are open. But I suppose if we roll back uh, to 2018 and to the start of the Grass 10 campaign, where did it come about? And, you know, I suppose, what are you trying to achieve from the outset? We'd always focus on grass, but things had changed in... um I suppose moving from the noughties into the tens and uh, a few things became very, very obvious very, very quickly. Um, you have a change in the marketplace. So if you take our 
green image and you had origin green and all that thing coming together, it was a chance to make better use of grass and sell that image. Grass 10 had that uh, concept, if you want to call it that. We also had data from, say, someone like uh, Liam Hanrahan, who did work with Lawrence Shalhoub, put all the data together on grass utilised at farm level, um, showed the impact it had on profits. So every, you know, it was it was um, eight years data to put together. It showed that every tonne of uh, grass utilised per hectare, every additional tonne, was worth almost 200 euros per hectare. So that was a new thing that we hadn't had before. We knew it was good, but we didn't realise it was as good. Um, you know, we all knew about, in terms of, you know, having grass in the diet, in terms of, you know, reducing costs and increasing profits, but this brought it, you know, uh, home to a fair degree. And the, the figures weren't that dissimilar from uh, dry stock enterprises either. And I suppose uh, the last piece I'll say is, you know, we have environmental compliance coming down the road at the time in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Once you get into pasture, be it grass or clover, there's reduction in all greenhouse gases, where it's methane, carbon dioxide or nitrous oxide. So there's big wins to be got here. And they felt the best way to approach that was bring a campaign together to bring it to the country and um, focus on grass. And and John, for ye, um, you know, I suppose Grassland Agro got involved as an industry partner. I suppose, wh- where did GC benefit to the Grass 10 campaign for the entire industry? Yeah, it's, it's massively uh, beneficial program, the work that John and Joe and John, do, there's a lot of Johns now, but John Douglas as well, do is is really, and Fergus as well, John. B- yes. b- uh, Back in time, yeah. Last week, Jen. And and conti- continue to do is really really important, them Louise. So like, you know, getting that message out there about grass and maybe challenging some of the preconceived notions that the media have about agriculture. Getting out that strong message on grass fed and sustainability, and 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 I- enabling farmers is is hugely hugely important. And ultimately, there's a huge amount of regulation coming in the fertilizer industries especially, and getting farmers to, to grow grass is one thing, but getting them to utilise that is so, so important. Emma Louise, I left out one piece of jigsaw, which I should have said, which follows on about John and enabling the farmer to do better. We forgot about pasture base and the database. We didn't have a database before. And the database clearly showed that, you know, we had ideas of farmers reaching 13 and 14 and 15 tonnes of grass dramatic per hectare being, being grown, right? In theory, that was uh, possible. But the database clearly showed that we weren't reaching our potential. So this was another big um, plus for having a campaign like the Grass 10 campaign. And as part of the campaign, I've alluded to the competition. So we've had five years of competition to date, John. And I suppose we've talked to lots of the champions and they always talk about what they've learned and the merit of the competition, what it has added to their farm. But I suppose for people who are listening today who are thinking, you know, I think maybe I'm good enough... um, I might have a chance in this competition. They fill out an application form, but maybe they're they don't know what's what to expect. So, can you talk us through the rest of the process? You get that application form in, and what happens next? The idea is to recognise those farmers who are doing a good job at utilising grass and pasture, um, and this, the, the competition has evolved over time. Um, those people, like like you said, become champions or ambassadors, and um, you know help farmers. You know improve their own grassland that's what they're basically ambassadors um it's fine for people like myself or john to talk about you know doing a good job at growing and utilizing grass and incorporating clover and all that but you know the farmer has to do it in reality at farm level and this is where this is 
this is where the grass and farm of the year piece comes to its own because we hold events on all those winning farms. So it starts off with an application form which can be got through the Grass 10 website or the Chagas website and you see Grass and Farm of the Year. You can enter that way. Um, it, there's also people like myself and uh, John Douglas and uh, in, in the east of the country and Joe Dunphy in the west. If they, if they want to talk to us, we can um, give them advice on it as well and per, if they want to express an interest in entering, that can be done as well. So we meet those people through you know, uh, grass 10 courses or events around the country. Um, and then I suppose you move on to the next piece, then, you know, uh, we're able to pick up a, a lot of the data on, we say, the grass production side um, through pasture base or, or other me- measure- measurement um, um, databases. Um, and we start, you know, pre-screening from there. But, you, you know, and farms get shortlisted on the basis of most of that data. However, like, you know, you, you don't get a full handle on the nutrient management, you don't get a full handle on sward renewal, the grazing infrastructure, the approach to sustainability. I can keep going here unless you visit the farm. And that's where the farm visits come in and that's where the judging team and there's people assigned to each of those areas. So John here does the nutrient management uh, side, including the NUE as well, or the nutrient use efficiency. Um, we have judges from the Farmers Journal, the Department of Agriculture, um, FBD, uh, Chagas, AIB. So, and they all have an area that we, we, we appraise. Um, and just by asking the questions alone, the farmer, <laughs> you know, they get a, a fairly good idea as to what they're doing well or what they're what's not going well for them, um, because the questions will ex- will either uh, you know expose that or um, enhance their you know their chances to win the competition. And and that farm visit gives farmers the opportunity to express themselves and as you say show off all of the good stuff that they're doing on farm and if we think about highlights or um, learnings for ye from farms John like to you is there anything in particular that has stuck out to you from the farms that you've got now to visit yeah there's loads Emma Louise like some of the stories there um have been fantastic. Aidan Maguire, I, th- I think, it was a privilege for all of us. John, that was a it? phenomenal day, yes. That was like, you know, like this sounds really cringy, like, but it was like nearly the hair is on the neck, back of your neck could stand up, like going around listening to me story, meadows, like real salt of the earth, family farm, brought us around, explained that he was thinking about maybe getting out of farming, um, and then to see how he turned around by using grass, super. Uh, last year, this is one I haven't run past John either, but. We were at Hanbridge's farm, and they were they were winter milk like. And when you think winter milk, you think three ton of meal, maize, beef, you name it. Real, real tag is more park spec. <laughs> 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 but um, it, it what it highlighted for me was that the grass, the message about grass is right because it was working for them and their type of cows. You know that we are right because there's a lot of maybe abandoned just question marks. What should we do and stuff like that. A farm level, but really reinforce it. And John asked me a question coming down to prepare for us: Why should farmers enter the Middle East? And I was like, "Jeepers, I didn't think any more about it because I was rushing." I remember I was coming down in the car, and I was thinking, you know, going back to what we said there about farmers maybe being frustrated about getting a lambasting in the media, you know, the green agenda. I think farmers should enter because it gives them a platform to maybe represent their discussion group represent their industry, their sector, whether it's lamb or beef or dairy, uh, their county, whatever it is, you know, to be a, a champion or a, an ambassador, to tell the 
stories of all the good work that's going on in farm because like it is it is great to have John Mayer or Raiden Brennan or any of these big names out in your farm like but at the same time I think that's the real benefit the platform that the grass tin competition can offer because really the uh, John out in my opinion the competition side not the courses and but that's really we need the farmers more than they need us I would argue would you and that's for com- for competition, that yeah, and they, that's what makes the, makes the competition so special. All the the past winners, all those you know big names that we know, and that's what gives it the magic. So I think if if we think about it in that context of that, you can represent maybe you know dairy farming or beef or lamb or whatever it's going to be. I think is is a, a huge opportunity, and of course the prize money. <laughs> which is a, a huge benefit as well, John. Yeah, and the prize winner this year, the overall prize winner is 10,000, so it's a big increase in times past, you know. Yeah, we've it's had, a nice turn. We've had prize funds about five or 6,000 for, for the w- overall winner, but this is bigger now. Um, so, um, you know, and the, the competition is broader now, and I mentioned sustainability. This comes in in terms of, not just in terms of environmental, but also in terms of um, um, the the social side, the the profitability side and uh, the, the other concept that we brought into it is with FPD is the health and safety side you know so it's just it's not just all about grass but you won't get a handle on that until you get to to farm so initially there's screening going on and that short lists uh, 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 quite a number and then that's then whittled down into the into category winners and to you John um, you know any of those memorable moments or biggest learnings that you've seen yeah there's been um, sizable ones um, and there's been what we call I call wow moments do you know um, I suppose um, I'm doing this a little bit longer than John here but um, anyway I, I go back to different days um, you know I, I remember a few um, that was well will stand out. Um, I remember being on the Heffernan's farm in Kilkenny and their approach and how they did things. Um, the, the the three white boards and how they managed the the, the farm with um, you know Mark, um, Billy and Liam, and uh, the grazing infrastructure was just phenomenal. You just stand and look and in awe. To be honest, being on Danny Birmingham's farm in West Clare, um, this is you know very very heavy farm. Um, and I had been on the farm in, in you know, in 2012, and and never forget that day. It was October. Um, I was doing a project on phosphorus with a number of other people in Chagas, and we were measuring samples of grass. And um, you know, that farm was floating. The world I'd used, and then to come back then, and about seven eight years later, and see what Danny was doing. Um, and the motto he had, like you know, people are asking about grazing, and he said, "Well, it's very simple. We graze when we can." And you'd never forget. You'd never forget those days. Um, a year before that, we were with Nile Mara in, in Galway, uh, near Ballinasloe. And, you know, he used the term, you know, we're grass farmers who produce beef. Right? So, you, you, you know, just those kind of things that, that you don't forget. I suppose last year, myself and John were lucky enough to be on Dearman Fitzgerald Farm and yeah. the clover just, Super. just blew you Bam. away within five minutes. And you just know... Right, so um, then we've had other people. Uh, I'll just mention very quickly. I suppose some great headlines. Um, Mike Birmingham was a a guy who entered the competition. Was a recent new entrant. Wanted to learn fast. If you take somebody who learned a lot from the competition, he is one. He knew by the questions straight away. Even though he won a category in it, he knew he had to move on um, into o- other areas and improve. And 
since then, I'll say he never looked back. He, he won't like me for saying that, but, um, you know, phenomenal in terms of the performance he's had. Again, it's a bit like Aidan McGuire's uh, story, to be honest. Um, we had an event in Sean O'Donnell's farm last year up in Mayo. People were argued that, that the Grass 10 competition and geography and Grassland Farmer of the Year, you know, people in th- that part of the country would struggle. That wouldn't be correct if you were at Sean O'Donnell's event last year in July. Yeah, it was one of the best we were ever at. It was phenomenal, his performance on the day. We can keep going here, I'll be honest and, with you. And it sounds like, you know, it's you, know. Y- you were inspired when you went out to farms. And I suppose the idea of those uh, champions and the open days on those farms, it is, I suppose they have a lot more credibility. And it comes back to what you say, you know, you can advise a farmer, but these guys are in the trenches every day. And when there's a drought or there's heavy rainfall, they are in the exact same position as as every other farmer in the country. Um, and look, as you say, there's a there's a really nice prizes and really nice opportunity to open up your farm and and be that representative for the industry. I suppose it, just a little side note, um, you know, as we conclude, John, you're working in the fertilizer sector, and 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 you alluded to the fact that there is regulation coming down the tracks that it is going to change the way we farm. Um, I suppose the conversation around fertilizer has has been a hot topic in the last number of years. But I suppose working in that area specifically, how have you seen things evolve in maybe the last five to ten years? Yeah, well, without incriminating myself now too much, too badly, Emily's. Um, I suppose the 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 attitude we have towards nitrogen. Um, so to give you an example, the Dairy Miz Group, which would have been kind of probably the catalyst or the foundation for an awful lot of the research and you know the the models that we have in place. In the mid-2000s, the average chemical nitrogen applied from a report published that I found there a couple of years ago was 370 kilos per hectare, right? We're trying to do grow the same amount of grass now on 150, you know, so the two don't add up. You just simply can't grow grass without nitrogen. The two are, you can't grow pasture. And I think we need to change our language. Yeah, pasture, yes. Isn't that, isn't that to, a more... To incorporate clover, yes. Yeah, we need and, to... And other species. But we talk about grass, but we need to kind of evolved the language to talk about pasture now. So if you put in simple maths, right, and I, I run through a few figures here, it takes 30 kilos to grow, 30 kilos of nitrogen to grow a ton of pasture. A farm stocked at 2.5 livestock units per hectare. Cow, right, John, we'll go through the maths. Cow, 300-day lactation, 15 kilos of dry matter intake. On average, plus or minuses, but we say 15 kilos, that's 4,500 kilos, Right. You take 60 days by 10 kilos of dry cow silage, which is a euphemism for any absolute garbage that's gathered up during the year. Is that, that's a fair comment, John? We'll call it forage, John. Yeah, yeah. that's a strong strong one now. But if we take the 60, right, that's, that's 600 kilos. So that's 5.1 ton dry matter. Multiply by our stocking rate at 2.5, that's 12 and a half, which sounds doable. But in reality, that's intake. Eaten. Yeah. So we need to grow an extra 20, 25%. We'll say 20. We'll say 20. Yeah, so that's 15 tonne dry matter per hectare. So if you take that first figure I gave, which is the 30 kilos, that's 30 by 450. Or 30 by 15 is 450, I should say, sorry. So that's 450 kilos of nitrogen that we need to get from. Previously, the dairy mills were right. They had the sums right. You'd spread the the nitrogen fertilizer. But now we have to do it on a, a shoestring with chemical fertilizer. We need to make better use out of story, fine. We need to um, get a lot more from clover, legumes. And the soil. 
and the soil and the soil is the key one that we're missing the trick on so there's the, there's a lot of work going on at the moment uh, there's a future science project a lot of brilliant researchers and and up-and-coming researchers like mike Ely and and mike egan and all um who is an established researcher but mike Ely's is a student and mick or and and anya murray are working on a project to understand the power of the soil and that's one that we hadn't really handled on properly i'd say john I think that's a reasonable argument. If we look at the stats, John, I think it was sent the other day. We in two thousand nine, I know it was a shocking year. It was um, low input, low. You had a wet, you had a wet year, and you had low prices for yeah. farm for farm outputs. But we only spread about thirty percent, one third of the P and K we spread in nineteen ninety, and people were kind of, I would say, John, using nitrogen to compensate for poor soil fertility. Yeah. Lime, P and K. Now that's turned around which is great. We're not all the way, but we're well on that journey. And I think that's a big part of getting more from the soil, John. Yeah, so it, uh, listen, the simple maths, the soil has the potential to, to provide up to 300 kilos of, of nitrogen through this process called mineralization. But that range is massive. In some parts of like a wonderful part of the world called Kilmady, the previous research done showed that you, you only get maybe 70 kilos of nitrogen per hectare per year. But in Palace Genry, you get 220 and as the crow flies, they're very close to each other. So there's a lot of variation. It's understanding that on farm and then using your clover, then using your fertilizer strategically, optimizing side health. So in relation to where fertilizer maybe is going, we, we've gone to 100% prescription-based model where you look at the three pillars of side health, you look at the chemical, which is your pH, P and K, the biological, which is the kind of, the new kind of, airy fairy stuff that maybe farmers aren't as aware of but that's that mineralization that's um very very powerful uh we're looking at that and we're looking at then the structure which is the physical state of the soil and then the grass 10 walks i've been doing my routine john on the <laughs> digging the hole to limited success yeah i've dug a few holes for myself now for sure over the <laughs> over the course of the walks but like you you, you actually get farmers to dig uh, we dig a sod and we go through john and we show them what what structure looks like and how to understand that and that can have a massive yield penalty and we do that through the sustainability program with the co-ops because ultimately we realistically were in a fight for survival for the derogation and that that's either we either play ball with that in the fertilizer industry or else we go extinct anyways because the derogation goes and and most of the cows in the country are gone and there's no demand for fertilizer so we're trying to be proactive i suppose to support farmers in in in, in uh, reducing the chemical nitrogen, John. Sure, absolutely. Um, we're we're on that road. This is where clover comes into its own, and it's it's a bigger piece of jigsaw than just nitrogen fertilizer. It's the soil, the clover, the other pieces as well. Um, but the competition has evolved, and you, you know, uh, to do well in the competition now, the, the clover piece has to be uh, fairly good on the farm. To be fair, now, right? To understand. However, I will tell you a little story to finish off, if that's okay, right? Just to explain how the com- how, how the competition just means for different people, right? So Danny Birmingham won the first award of the heavy soils category um, uh, many, many years ago, right? Um, and, I, and I mentioned that earlier. But people came to that walk in April of uh, 20, 2019. Now, it, you know, the spring of 2019 was favourable, and but it was a great to have Danny have cows out full-time grazing on that piece of uh, land because it is it is challenging environment down there in West Clare. But... Um, Two farmers came that day, um, father and son team, Pat Barry, Sean Barry. And a few years later, they won the heavy soils category of that competition. So it just goes to show, I met them on the day. They, We had a 
good chat. They were thrilled to be down there, had never been on the farm before, and they said, well, if this man can do this, so can we. And the rest is history. I will tell another story about John Marrow. Oh, no. <laughs> that Mike Birmingham told, uh, and uh, I don't know if I get away with this on the sad part, which is... Uh, can I leave, can <laughs> I leave, can the, I leave the room now? <laughs> the leading agricultural... <laughs> Louise going to murder me now. <laughs> I couldn't resist, but um, Mike... Um, was telling us that he got he won the dairy category uh, winner. He was coming out the steps just as we're looking out here, and uh, John Maher gave him the nod, the curly finger, and he uh, cornered him and he said, "You need to do more walks next year." And I think there was a few <laughs> expletives used in his version of the story, but like that's 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 also what you're getting yourself in for now for anyone who does enter the competition or. And that's a true story, John. Well, he's a fit man now, John. <laughs> you, you, you'll get you'll get some homework if you enter the competition. And look, yeah, John, no harm to mention. Um, there is a, a great uh, podcast that you you present, the Sod Pod, and uh, the likes of Danny Birmingham and Mike Birmingham have have uh, contributed to that. I guess the the competition is still open for this year, and it, um, I suppose you can get your applications in until the end of September. And I suppose you know you've alluded to it, John. You and the team, John Douglas and Joe Dunphy are happy to speak with people who are interested. Want to, or they can enter through the, you know, yeah, th- through the, the application process and forward slash grass 10, yeah. I, I suppose when we're having a, a grass 10 conversation, it would be remiss of me not to mention Padraig Walsh, who has been around since the outset of Absolutely, he, he's been chair. He'd been chairman of Grass Ten from the, from uh, the and from, I would say a champion of Grassland for as long as uh, I'm around it, and a and long time before that. And I suppose if you embellished me for a minute, um, you know, I think we talk about K, and it, there's an issue with K on farms, uh, potassium levels in our soils, and um, just I was at a, a Damer discussion group, and I happened to be walking from one field to another, and Padre was walking beside me, and he was the first one to really explain it, that we're producing all this grass, we're managing it well, and we're so we have to take all these surplus bales, and this is just really killing the K, and it was the first time somebody had explained it in really simple terms for my uh, little brain to, uh, to understand, but I suppose, John, a comment from you, you know, you've worked with him since uh, 2018 and before that and his contribution to the programme. Best way I can say, he was the ultimate champion of grass. And, you know, I, I remember being on the farm back in the early 90s. Um, Pat didn't remind me of the story that he brought the Chagas board to show what could be done in terms of grassland. And then, as I say, the rest is history, you know. Yeah, and look, it's, it's as I say, it's, it's, it's good to mention him because he's made a huge contribution to this campaign. Massive. And he was our chairman and it's unfortunate to have lost him in the middle of, of the Grass 10 campaign. Without uh, him, none of this would ever have happened. So it was sad to lose him. and But it was great to have him when we did. Thanks, John Marr and John O'Loughlin. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks very much. Man. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to John Marr and John O'Loughlin for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.